0: In Session with Dr. Fadid Holaki.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadid Hulakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in 310 441 310-441-0555. You can follow me on twitter or instagram or like my page on facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program and the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my soundcloud page and podcasts on spotify and apple podcasts let's get to the books of the week the book of the week for this week is the song of significance by seth godin the song of significance a new manifesto for teams Uh, I read his book, The Practice, a couple years ago, recommended by my brother, and uh, really liked that book, so saw that he had a new one coming out, and I ordered it and don't know too much about it, although it seems to be related to leadership and work and things of that nature, but I'll read it and share it with you next week. The book of the week from last week that I'll be talking about today is Soul Boom by Rain Wilson soul boom why we need a spiritual revolution and um, many of you might know rain wilson he is a well-known actor best known for his role as dwight schrute on the show the office where he played depending on what your beliefs are either assistant to or the assistant regional manager for the scranton branch of dunder mifflin i actually really loved that show and loved his character Um, and so I saw this book or saw that he had a book coming out and and wanted to check it out now a funny story when I I was reading this book on a plane a few days ago and I looked to my left and see the person next to me is watching the office and so his face kept popping up on their screen um, as I was reading his book so funny coincidence but also not that coincidental when you consider how popular that show is and so he addresses that in the book of course Um, you know, he's this actor and a comedic actor. So what does he have to say about spirituality or God and religion? And so he talks about that early on in the book. And so before I get there, um, even I I posted this book on social media. Sometimes I do it fairly late. I did it yesterday, but already I'd gotten some comments or messages about that, the word even spiritual um, in this title and what that means. And so, of course, when we talk about even, religion and God there's no definitive answer no one has the answers he says that quite clearly himself Um, but even when we talk about this word spiritual or spirituality words matter but of course we can mean different things when we say the same word and he actually addresses that early in the book so he's, he's talking about the word spirituality and he says Oxford's English dictionary defines it I think a few different ways but one of the ways is the quality of being concerned with the human spirit or soul as opposed to material or physical things. The quality of being concerned with the human spirit or soul as opposed to material or physical things. And he says he really likes this definition, and that's exactly what he's talking about in this book. Um, Of course, the definition itself has some words that would need defining or uh, agreeing upon, because the human spirit or soul, that's a very controversial or uh, ambiguous uh, set of terms or concepts there. What does that mean, the human spirit or soul? And so um, this is one of the challenges we can have when we're having a conversation about something like uh, spirituality, soul, religion, is that often what we're talking about, even in that definition, it's something beyond the material or the physical or physical things something about the human spirit or soul but what does that mean because and he does address this in a way in the book about scientific understandings and explanations related to things like this sometimes something happens and we can't explain it so we might think that's something supernatural or something that's um we can't understand so this is proof of so, you know God or some other type of force let's say for example before um, we understood much about astronomy or even about let's say gravitational pull humans could see the moon or planets moving and things happening and might think this is God is moving these big objects or these lights that not maybe think was a big object moving these things around and so this is really a sign of of God or some extra force outside of what we understand a supernatural force and then we understand the theory of of gravity or the theory of um, how these things work and so now it's no longer a mystical thing that is supernatural but something that we now can explain and so the challenge here becomes that when we try to say something is supernatural something is not part of the physical realm Um, we don't know or we can't really say definitively that's the case because is it that it really is something supernatural or is it just we don't understand it yet so we don't know um, how to explain it or what's causing that so uh, this is a challenging thing and that's why he he even says people don't convince each other easily or almost ever when it comes to believing or not believing in God because it's much more of a belief than something that's going to be proven one way or the other, that you can prove the existence or the lack of existence. Uh, and he does even address, and I might touch on them, some of the arguments atheists make, because he shares himself, Rain Wilson, that he uh, believes in uh, religion or God, not the type of God that's like a, uh, a man in the clouds, but uh, a type of force or essence and something we can't quite Understand So he, he's upfront about that and very clear about that. But it's hard to try to convince someone or think we're going to convince someone one way or the other. Um, in a similar way, I've thought about how when we talk about ESP, extrasensory perception. And so usually that's when people say someone has this ability to, let's say, move objects with their mind or read or tell the future, do certain things. We call it extrasensory perception but really what we mean is it's extra or more than what we think humans can perceive but then if we find out humans have a sense that they can do whatever this thing is to determine something is it extrasensory so it's to me an interesting term where it's that it's assuming something um outside of what is happening but if it's now happening well now isn't that how we understand things just like uh, we might think there's only a certain amount of light that's visible but then we see that bees can see certain light that we can't see in the ultraviolet uh, wavelengths so they have extra sensory compared to us but it's not extrasensory for them they can see those things so spiritual can have the same type of a problem where we try to even define it as it says something more than the material um, is there something more than the material what people often Discuss with these things is that we have, you know, material things that I'm looking at or I'm touching right now, but we have these these feelings and these experiences that seem qualitatively so different and so um, you know obviously it's something you can only experience, but they feel so amazing and it doesn't seem like it's just something from this world or something that's like everything else that's material. Um, that, and that could be true, but it could also be that our brains produce certain types of sensations that feel a certain way. And so it feels like that. It feels like something more than um, something else. But it could just be that it's what our brains can do and what we experience in the sensations that we have. So I can hear myself definitely being quite literally devil's advocate right now, or maybe it's not even devil's advocate because... It's uh, the, the atheists, atheists act, uh, advocate, meaning there isn't even a God and devil and angels. But nonetheless, um, to me, there can be explanations for things that we think of as we use the word spiritual in certain ways. To me, it can mean something different than that. But this way of something, a human soul or spirit, again, there will never be proof of it or that it doesn't exist. But I think there's other ways we can think about it that it might not be something like that Uh, another way of thinking about this concept is I've talked before about the experience of ghosts or someone's presence so you know people will sometimes have an experience and they'll say if I could feel that my grandfather was in the room or I could feel that you know even some celebrity or some historical figure was in the room or their presence and I think that is actually true. Not in the sense that the person is actually in the room or they have to actually have a spirit in the room, but your feeling in that moment was the feeling of that person or how they make you feel, which can be triggered by many things. Of course, most directly by that person themselves. So you see your friend, your loved one, whoever they might be, and it makes you feel a certain way. This is something I call an emotional signature. There's a emotional way of feeling that we get from people. It's a complex thing. It's not just a set thing because it's going to be affected by how you've interacted with them recently. Even the mood you're in at that moment will feel a bit different, all these things. But overall, there's an emotional signature of how someone makes you feel. And so if that feeling or that emotional experience is triggered by something, whether it's something external, internal, a combination of things, it could feel like the presence of that individual is there because that's how you feel with them or about them or around them. And now even if they're not there, you might have that feeling. Just like if I say, close your eyes and imagine your mother and imagine hugging your mother or being hugged by your mother. For all of you, you'll feel something. Some of it might be similar because there's some things we feel about a mother's hug, but everyone has their unique experience with their own mother and what they feel about them. But you might start to feel something if you really vividly start to imagine them. That's a type of emotional signature. Now, it doesn't mean your mother is actually in the room, unless you're listening to this with your mother in the room. But it doesn't mean that they're with you there or that their ghost has to visit you. You can just have this Experience of them again, this emotional signature, so that presence is that feeling internally of their presence. Doesn't mean they're actually externally having to be there. Um, I recognize that I'm almost at the end of the first segment and haven't really gotten into the book itself, which I definitely want to do. But laying in some ways some groundwork or some of my thoughts about this theme, because I understand just saying spiritual can bring up a lot of. Um, you know, who's and haws are people's thoughts that this is nothing or it's something. Um, and, you know, that's exactly what spiritual is supposed to mean for some people. It's something that is nothing. It's not a physical thing, but something is is still there. Uh, the way I see spiritual, even in some ways that he uses it in the book. So soul boom, why we need a spiritual revolution. So this, this conversation about needing a spiritual revolution is... To me, this sense of spiritual meaning, we can think of our lower or higher natures or ways of being. So lower ones being things like just immediate pleasure and pain, even greed, power, wanting those things. And then there are the higher types of ways of being altruistic, being caring, compassionate, um, even experiencing awe, being in wonder of things of the world that have a certain qualitative feeling that is in a way, I, you know, I'm saying higher and lower, but a more uh, fulfilling type of a feeling. So um, when we look at the world, we can also look at, is the world being run more by things of this lower side of, of greed and want and violence and aggression, or are we going more towards and being driven by qualities and principles like Altruism, making sure everyone is okay, compassion, justice, and these types of values. So that's, for me, this distinction that I actually think you can look at this book, although he talks a lot about God, some aspects of it, but you can take what you take from it. But even the sense of a spiritual revolution, which I'll talk about in the next segment, uh, you don't necessarily have to believe in a spiritual world or that we have a spirit or soul in my opinion, there are aspects of it that we can look at in a, a different way. So um, before I get into the book in more detail in the next segment, I think the book, you know, he does it in a very funny way. But of course, he's, he's a hilarious actor and a comedic actor, um, but makes some interesting points and talks about God and different aspects of religion, some of the arguments against religion and God and his thoughts on them in a very easy to read way that uh, it does make you think a bit and also I think he makes some really good points about this spiritual revolution as I was saying not necessarily meaning you have to believe in a soul or focus on that part but humanity and human beings going towards our what we consider better nature or our better values so in the next segment I'll get more into the, the book itself again the book is Soul Boom Why We Need a Spiritual Revolution by Rain Wilson we'll be right back welcome back um continuing the discussion or in some ways starting the actual discussion on the book soul boom why we need a spiritual revolution by rain wilson and so I, I talked at length about spiritual and soul and what those words can mean um and in this book rain wilson himself says he believes in God. He believes that we have a soul, um, and and shares that very clearly. And he does say that many people might not. And he does also discuss how we see the fastest growing religion, if you want to call it that, or type of spiritual belief, is spiritual but not religious. And maybe you've heard people say that. So they mean that they are they believe in something, or they have these uh, this focus on this aspect of the self, or the, the soul, whatever you want to call that, but they're not associated with an, any specific organized religion. And I think many people do feel that that they're disillusioned by the um, organized religions as they are, more it's the people often and how they're being run or what they're doing with the religion, but that they also don't think that there's nothing more to life than just the material world or there's something more to it. So he shares himself that he does believe in, in God and the soul. Um, and he, he shares people's thoughts on like why there isn't a God. So one example he shares, and it's one you do hear a lot that if there is a God, why would there be suffering? For example, why would a young child, you know, or why do young children sadly get sick and ill and even die? How could a fair God, a just God, allow for that to happen? Now, these conversations, I think, become very complicated because if you do believe in God, you tend to think and believe that this force or this, if it's a being or however you view God is unknowable or uh, if it's more of this thinking type of a person, Infallible or far advanced compared to a human being that we can't comprehend or understand him, her, whatever the essence is. And so when that's the case, how can we try to uh, make an explanation for why this being would do or not do something? So I can understand the conversations that I've even had them before, and I think it could be interesting to explore, but it is one that likely will begin with words and end with words because you can't, come to some conclusion that, okay, a fair God would do this or a just God would do this, or this being that is more advanced than me would make this type of decision, or this would make sense for him, her, it, whatever it is. So, you know, these, these are tough conversations, but he just bring up some of these, um, these issues of, for example, why there people say there isn't a God. And, you know, he shares some of his thoughts, which include things like, um, well, where is it our responsibility and, a, and God or a God's responsibility so we can make a more just world? And there's something to that. But at the same time, even if we, I think, did everything the best that we we could and made everything perfectly fair and even came up with uh, cures to illnesses, I think there would still be suffering that is that is there. And so I, I haven't myself seen an argument that makes me think for sure that that there's this fair God for sure, um, I think it's much more complicated than that to get a clear answer on that. But, you know, he shares some of these uh, conversations or these discussions on what he's heard from people and what his own thoughts are related to uh, God or belief in God. And again, it is something, it's a belief. We're not going to be able to prove it one way or the other. Um, He, even at one point, so going a little bit further into the book, you know, he's discussing this different aspects of, Of um, religion, actually, before I get to that, he in the one of the first things he talks about, you know, himself being a TV star, he talks about TV and says two shows that impacted him significantly that he thinks reflect a big part of our spiritual journey, and one they're both from the I think um, 70s. One is Kung Fu, and one is Star Trek, and so he says the show Kung Fu, which I don't think I've seen. I'm sure I've seen clips before because some of the things he mentioned, sounded familiar. But anyway, on that show, it was very much about the personal spiritual journey, this sense of, of growing spiritually yourself. And again, so when I say spiritually, um, it doesn't necessarily mean has to be a soul, but a cultivating what we consider the better aspects of ourselves or of human beings, compassion, kindness, wisdom, those types of qualities that we, he talks about virtues or he calls them virtues, um, in the book those types of qualities. And so there's that aspect of developing ourselves or spiritual journeys being this internal part. But he says in Star Trek, it's that other part of this twofold path that he describes where it's about helping the world or really actually in this sense, the world in Star Trek is the whole galaxy or universe going to other places and trying to make good in the world. Um, And he does say, and I agree with that, that often, especially in Western spiritual thinking and mindedness the focus is very much on what feels good to me so it can primarily be about this self-focused aspect of spiritual development or what feels like spiritual development of what feels good i do this thing and it makes me feel at peace or uh, you know i use these crystals or this whatever it is that um, someone might use and say this makes me feel better so that's spirituality but as he says and i agree something can be missing in that of when we're developing ourselves and really if we develop ourselves the focus also becomes helping others or helping the world become a better place not just making sure i'm okay that i feel okay so i i agree with him in that that if we really are developing ourselves and if we for example develop a sense of justice a sense of uh, compassion then that has to uh, be followed by action that follows those those principles or those virtues. You can't just have them internally. If you have compassion and a sense of justice and you see injustice, you take action because you can't really say you believe in those things or value those things if you don't take action. So I do um, agree with that aspect of things. And even looking at the world and even when we want things to change, of course, there is this sense of laws have to change and we have to make more fair and just laws and rules and regulations and how the, the world operates but that can't happen alone it also is important that people change or um, you know you might say the hearts of men or the hearts of people would have to change and here even we see the this sometimes of these analogies we use we use the heart sometimes to represent what people mean by the soul which doesn't have to necessarily be even a physical thing. Some people think it's something not physical, but we don't just mean it resides in the the heart. Um, We mean that, or have some heart, or we we might say something like that. We mean those qualities, but nonetheless, um, we do need to see both things change because if you just force people to new rules and laws that they don't uh, believe in or agree with, we're not going to lead to a more just world or things becoming better. We need people to... Um, change as well and those things go hand in hand as people change the laws change as the laws change you can affect how people change as well so we need both of these um, you know and he talks about the spiritual revolution both on a personal level but also on a global level as well and so this title of the book soul bloom um, after discussing religion and god and these things and the cases that people might have against god and his own thoughts on that he creates his own religion and so it's done in this you know half joking half serious type of way because of course he does understand that you can't just create a religion in a few pages of a book and that he himself he uh, has the humility to know that he's not going to be just creating a religion on his own and he's the one that can make it but he does share some thoughts on for example what could go into um, a religion and some different principles of it like believing in a higher power, life after death, power of prayer, uh, transcendence, community, mo- a moral compass, the force of love, increased compassion, service to the poor, and a strong sense of purpose. I won't go into all of those in detail and I said them pretty quickly, but those are just some principles that he says can be um, the basis of a, a new religion that would bring the world together because he shares that the purpose of having a, a religion would be to bring people together to create unity and he does acknowledge that throughout her history and present um, religion or using religion has been done to justify lots of disunity and even wars and and killing so he brings up this um, this focus on these principles that he thinks might be be good and he says he does draw these from various thoughts and religions it's not just uh, his own thinking out of thin air but he'll shared these different ways that we can potentially create a more just society or have this spiritual revolution and so I do agree with his mindset of when we look at the world and he does talk about how almost all of our major systems are broken economic type of systems or even let's say healthcare in the United States the way we are treating the planet there's a various ways that systems are broken and need to be significantly changed and if we look at the base of those systems he talks about like a car analogy if we look at what's happening uh, we have to look at what's what's wrong with them why is it not working and often we see that what's driving the systems is not what's best for the world overall and so if we if greed is driving things and I know capitalism is this easy boogeyman to talk about, but I do think there's some huge issues when we um, have a very, or the more purely capitalistic we become. Um, The focus is on profit and GDP and the economics and economic growth, rather than looking at how human beings are doing, or for example, you can have economic growth, but huge, or the inequality can grow where more people are living uh, in poverty or the gaps are not shrinking, they're getting larger. And so it could look like growth or something is going well, and it's not that the system uh, is not working. It's working how it is, but the system itself is broken or it's not focused on the right thing. So I do appreciate his his argument in, in, as a whole, the sense that there's a lot of things that are not right with the world and they're not just going to change with small tweaks. We, we're going to have to make some pretty deep systemic changes to how things are going, how things are run, and really the values that are... Running our world. And that's the part to me that, as I was saying before, you don't necessarily have to believe in some metaphysical soul. We can think of the higher nature of ourselves, the values and virtues we'd like individually to have and to have as a society. And we have a current system that is not being driven, not being run by those higher values. So we do need, in that sense, a spiritual revolution where we change the ways that we. Uh, what we base our system on, or systems on. Are we going to be focused on money and profit? And of course, economics can matter in how we make the world run. I don't want to come off overly idealistic, but we can have a society that is more focused on making sure everyone is okay rather than making certain things like greed more important. He shares how, I believe it's eight people... And I think the eight eight richest people in the world have as much wealth as like the bottom 50%. So eight people have as much as 4 billion people. And so I think to me, that's a pretty broken system, evidence of a broken system. So these are the things that we want to look at and, and change. So I did appreciate those arguments. At times, there's things I didn't see quite the same way. He was talking about consciousness at one point and saying, um, we, we don't, there's no evolutionary explanation or justification for why we would have consciousness. So in some ways that would prove that it might be part of something bigger or something, you know, more than just what's physical. But I'm not sure if I would see it that way. I think there's a lot of benefits and I might be simplifying his argument, um, what I just said there. But anyway, the, the consciousness and emotions have a lot of benefit in our survival and well-being. So they're not just something that's extra outside of our um, needed experience. We need emotions and use emotions all the time to guide our actions and to even let us know if we're on the right track with things, to approach and avoid things, and and to even create uh, the goals or the things that we do and we don't do. So there were some parts that I didn't fully agree with um, like that. But overall, the mindset that we need to make some significant changes in how we Are running the world and how the world is is created and how we take care of one another that I wholeheartedly agree with will it have to be a religious type of a thing not necessarily and even that word spiritual can be divisive in its own way because people might think they have to believe in a soul to to um, believe in these thoughts or these types of arguments but to me it's about the higher nature or better nature of ourselves individually and collectively and creating a, a world and creating first a, a character that is focused more on those positive things and then creating a world that also reflects that so it was a as i said a fun read funny read and a light as far as he's talking about these heavy topics but the way he writes about them makes it easier to read and so i appreciated that as well um and he's a very talented and funny actor but also a, a good person from what you see he does in his personal life to help others living what he describes in this book. So if you uh, want to check it out again, that's Soul Boom Why We Need a Spiritual Revolution by Rain Wilson. Let's go to a commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi, doctor. Hi, thanks for calling
0: um thanks for having me on the call i am calling in regards to my daughter who's 18. um we've been recently having a little bit of difficulty uh, trying to understand her even though she's been um pretty good girl all her life i mean she's been responsible she's been doing good in school and we've been open um knowing that, you know, I grew up here, I don't have, like, the Persian mindset of certain things is wrong, certain things is right. But still, she has been complaining about lately that she gets angry for no reason and she doesn't know why, and that's been bothering her Hmm. to the point that she requested that she wants to speak to a therapist. Okay. I'm not sure what's going on.
1: Well, yeah, you, it seems like she's not sure either. So she says herself she get, it's for no reason, or does she say there's something that's going on or something you're doing or that's happening that's bothering her that makes her angry?
0: That's actually a good question. She says that she doesn't know most of the time, but sometimes she says that um, we piss her off. Okay. But um, I honestly don't know where it's coming from.
1: Okay, well, so I guess she does say sometimes she doesn't know why and so she is taking some level of responsibility or at least not blaming it on someone else, but, you know, and that's something itself and the fact that she's asking for help, that's a a good thing. I know, you know, therapy and things, one, they're not cheap and also just doing it has things that it brings up for people, but that's a good thing that she's wanting help. Um, But the things that she's saying, you know, you said she says you, you and I'm assuming mean her father like piss her off or other family members are pissing her off. We we want to try to understand those too. What is it that she's getting angry about? What is bothering her? So has she shared what are the things that you and the family are doing that make her angry?
0: Um, certain things. Yes. Like, for example, I get concerned if she's out past like one o'clock or one thirty, mm-hmm. or if she does not communicate clearly with me of where she's going to be at like um, late of course at night not during the day um, you know things like that really bother her um, she is in a relationship and the guy that she's seeing, he's um, seems to be a really good guy he even okay. communicates with me that recently she's been a little bit upset and I think um, We should be helping her mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm not sure I'm I'm gonna be honest with you I'm a little bit concerned because I feel like she's letting things go and this was not her before Okay, uh, for example the last semester of high school she totally let go because she said it's the last semester i got into colleges um i got approval and i got you know scholarship to the college so why am i supposed to like make my life a little bit more miserable by studying hard as long as i pass i should be fine Mm -hmm. this was totally not her
1: okay so that was just like the last (laughs) semester she was in
0: That was just the last semester
1: of high school. So, I I mean, I could get the concern that you're saying that that's not how she was. Um, Now we'll have to see. Is there any carryover effect or has she changed in some way? But it could be just that she already got accepted and got the scholarship. And so she said, why should I stress over grades or get too stressed out about it? We could try to understand her more by asking her about that. Was it just that or did she feel like she was trying too hard before, was putting too much stress or pressure on school, and so she was like, I don't want to do that anymore. Um, but we'll have to wait and see what she does in, in college. Now, her boyfriend, you and him communicate, like he texts you or messages you about her?
0: Yes, sometimes he does. Like when she's she's been crying more lately, it seems mm-hmm. like, um, then she's a little bit more upset too. So he was just communicating with us that um, she's been a little bit more upset lately, she may need help, Mm -hmm. um, things like that. But she does her things. Like she goes to concerts, she goes out with friends, she goes to parties. But she says that, you know, she is depressed lately. She has no motivation. But when it comes to times where she's with her friends or she has something to look forward to she's totally energized yeah. and she's not she's totally a different person
1: yeah and when you uh, that was actually the next thing I was to ask you about is depression because um, even in adults but especially in kids and teenagers one of the signs we want to we might notice is anger or irritability which mm-hmm. sometimes we think we hear depression we think sadness and we don't think about anger but when we're depressed we're also more irritable, just our psychological skin, our psychological resources feel depleted, so we're more likely to get upset and angry about things. And so, especially mm-hmm. in teenagers and kids, it can show up as, as uh, anger rather than just sadness. And I get what you're saying that, you know, sometimes again we have this image. Well, if you're depressed, you wouldn't have the energy to do anything or most things. But here, when it comes to going to a concert or doing things with her friends she's very energized and even possibly motivated to get there to make things happen but depression is a very complex phenomenon it's not this thing of just sadness and all sadness Uh, Mm -hmm. we see people who are depressed who are still working we see people who are depressed who are you know funny and even funny for a living and but they're Mm -hmm. still very very depressed or acting or you know musicians and out there with so much energy and so there's we think there's no way that person is depressed but unfortunately sometimes it turns out they are so um you know i wouldn't take those things to mean that she's not depressed and if she's saying herself that she's feeling that way then i would take her word for it that that's probably what she's going through and and depression sometimes we might be thinking well then what's making her depressed like everything is good but depression doesn't always have this clear-cut cause of something bad happened, mm-hmm. and now the person is depressed, it, it's so many different things that can contribute to, to someone feeling that way. So tell me some of your thoughts on, uh, on that. I, I threw a lot out at you there.
0: I think you spoke my mind because that is the issue with her, mm-hmm. that she gets angry easily and she's, um, I could see that in her face. Mm-hmm. And that's what she says, too, that she's angry and she's stressed out. um, And it just happens without any reason. And even though there are reasons for her to be happy, it's just that she can't help it. I'm happy that she does realize that Mm -hmm. and she did seek out for help. But from my part of things, I'm not sure how I would be able to help out besides the fact that I helped her with finding a therapy um, and she's going to be starting next week. Great, but as far as like communicating with her, or you know, pushing her to certain limit, as far as like finding a job or getting herself busy, I'm not sure how I should yeah. be really acting as far as like.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, getting her the help was uh, that's the a big one. One that she asked for it, and as you said. One, that she asked for help and even had that awareness. You know, often people are going through what she's going through and then they might only blame it on others or think it's like, you know, someone else or totally take it out on themselves in a really shameful way that's that can be hurtful. And she might be doing some of that. But the fact that she's showing some level of awareness that, yeah, sometimes it's just it seems like it's out of nowhere. I'm not sure why I'm getting so angry and that she asked for help. Those are really, really good things. Um, And. You know she's also going through a transition phase going from high school to college and that can bring up lots of things for um individuals or you know whoever it is i don't know if she's moving away or not but regardless it could bring up a lot of of feelings so one thing i'll also it's going to be a very easier said than done type of a thing is that to see how much you can tolerate her being in this state doesn't mean you're not going to care or not going to try to make things better but that if she is really feeling depressed or going through a depression, that's not going to change overnight and we shouldn't expect it to um, from ourselves to do something to fix it or from her to just change how she's feeling. It seems like it's it's bigger than that. So that's just something that uh, I want you to keep in mind and that it's not necessarily you know, to think it was your responsibility or anyone's responsibility. She became depressed to take that, that blame or guilt that sometimes parents can feel when they're their kids are not doing okay because then you'll put more pressure on yourself and her to change something that likely won't change very quickly
0: it'll take some Mm -hmm. time okay so should i just let go of certain things um for example something happened recently that really upset her was the fact that she has a she has a friend she has a lot of friends but this friend of her i just kind of sensed that She smokes, um, you know, she does certain things that um, maybe it's not approved by Mm -hmm. us. And um, she did, she came over and she was stoned once um, to our house and I went to the room and I said, this is not acceptable, um, not in my house, so you guys need to go home. So they did that. But the other day she came over again and in the morning when I went to my daughter's room, I found a vape in her bed. I freaked out. I thought it's hers. First she lied that it's another friend of hers, um, and then she's because she was trying to protect this friend of her, which I saw last time, and then she said it's hers. So what Mm -hmm. I did was, maybe I did a stupid thing, but I took the vapor and I took it to their house and gave it to her mom, and I said, "Um, I found this in my house, which is not acceptable. Um, you know, I, I, I was requesting for her to respect our house. Um, so I just wanted to hand this off to her cause she just left it there. And because of that, um, it seems that her relationship with my daughter is cut off and they were kind of like best friends. Hmm. So my daughter is really upset over that. Yeah. And she says, um, because of you, I lost a good friend.
1: Well, yeah, and and um, I'm not surprised it would have an impact, doesn't mean necessarily end of a friendship, but but maybe you didn't mind that at some level because you were, you know, the way you're describing her and in your mind that she was not going to be a good influence for your daughter. So you might not have minded that, that it interferes with their friendship or even damages yeah. their friendship. And so that's the part where she might feel upset that you, in her mind, you cross the line and you you know went there and did something that now hurt her friendship without making sure or seeing how she felt about it and you know she's getting older um I can understand not wanting something in your home but the friend she's going to choose and who she's going to spend time with and the things they are going to do I mean she's going off to college those things are going to be around her all the time what she does or doesn't do that's going to be up to her um but I could see how, you know understand what you're saying as her best friend and now through your action, that friendship ended, she's going to be upset with you. Mm-hmm. And so how recent was that?
0: This was uh, very recent, okay. like last week,
1: last week. Okay. So that's obviously something that's still fresh and, and, you know, going to be, uh, something that has to be dealt with. Now I, I can understand you don't want her to do those things. You don't want those things in your house, but, um, you know, and vaping is not, and I don't know what it was. And the vape can be, you know, there's also things that look like vape that could be marijuana or it could just be tobacco or it could even just be flavored and not have tobacco in it. So I don't even know what it was. But, um, you know, to me, that might have been a bit extreme to go to the person's house to give it to them. But I would yeah. more importantly want you to talk to your daughter about all of that, you know, what was going on, what you're worried about, her feelings about it. I'm sure, you know, she's still upset about it. Um, and it's, you know, it's just been a week. So maybe the friendship's not done. But they might have had a really, you know, maybe things are a little bit um, tricky right now. But what did you talk to her about what happened there, what you were worried about? I I did. Okay.
0: I tried to talk to her, but she was really upset. And she says that um, this is another thing that she says that she's very sensitive to words. And if certain things happen, it's so hard for her to forget. It just sticks to her brain. So... She's going to be upset about it, and she won't forgive me for it.
1: When you said about Um, words, like, what were the words here?
0: So, um... It's more like, um... I, you know, going to her house and telling her mom that, you know, your daughter did this, this was, Mm -hmm. like, the second time, and then... Words in general I guess I'm trying to find how to explain it But if I say You're stressing me out To her Mm -hmm. She thinks that I'm saying um, That you're Not wanted Or You know things like that Like she's Mm -hmm. very sensitive to words I have to be super careful what I'm using
1: Well and she might just be Sensitive in in general That might be part of who she is which isn't going to you know just change and in this case with her friend or the friend's mom I mean it seems like it was the actions yes you went and talked but it was that you went there that she didn't like not just the words but I think you're saying she will hold on to something which I think is related to this feeling that she's sensitive that you think that it's harder for her to to forgive something Um, now we're at a commercial break but I I want us to continue so after the break we'll, we'll you know talk a bit more about what's happened but also what you can try to do in communicating with her uh, going forward so we'll put you on hold and we'll talk after the break okay. okay
2: thank you so much
1: sure all right we'll be right back welcome back before the break we we're with the caller let's go back to them now okay
0: uh,
1: hi hi all right so uh, you know usually during the break people will come back with some thoughts that came to them during the, the yeah. break. anything come to, I felt I felt that as soon as you said hi so yeah go ahead
0: I appreciate it. Yes, I think I was a little bit scattered before um, the break, but maybe I'm going to add a couple more items. Mm -hmm. So before we actually decide on her college, um, she was pretty insistent that she wants to make sure she doesn't choose the college just because her boyfriend is going to the college within the same city. Uh, and she ended up actually choosing the college that's actually within the same city as her boyfriend. We never talked about it, uh, where the decision came in, which is fine, because it was a good college. She had scholarship and all of that. But at the end of the day, um, we could not afford for her to stay at the dorm, because that was also not covered by the scholarship. Mm-hmm. And the amount was pretty high. And the school said the parents need to take on the loan because she can and we really could not do that so we sat down and we talked about it and um, she was totally fine to stay home save that money and go to that college and um, how how you know, far is
1: the drive or how far is the college
0: the college is about 20 to 30 minutes okay. drive mm-hmm. and then um, now what she's saying is that She's very upset that she's not going and staying in the dorm. She's losing on that experience, which she'll never get back. And um, all her friends are going to dorm, and she's going to be the only one. And um, it doesn't seem like she's growing up. She's a stay-at-home kid. And um, she's pretty upset about that, too. Hmm. So I'm not sure right now if it would make sense for her to go to the dorm, um, is it going to be something that she's going to be scarred for life? Um, or, you know, um, it's fine for her to stay.
1: Well, yeah, and that definitely won't be something I can tell you a definitive answer, but I I don't think she'll be scarred for life. Um, you know, and, but that doesn't mean it doesn't matter. We want to make her feelings, you know, it's not either scarred for life or doesn't matter. It's that, you know, she's upset and she's not wrong in the sense that she'll, Mm -hmm. miss out on something and yeah it's something you can't ever have back to be like let's say in a freshman dorm and have that experience a lot of her friends are probably talking about it and how excited they are so there's a FOMO there that fear of missing out and what she'll Mm -hmm. miss out on and but it does seem like there was something here of uh you know there was a compromise that in order to go to this school she you know this seemed to be what you agreed on with her would have to be the Mm -hmm. circumstances and now that it's getting closer to actually having to do it she's not liking it, but I you mean, know, I think it's. It, I don't think it means what you did was wrong, and so I don't know the financial um, implications or, like, you know, what kind of stress it would put it on the family. So I definitely wouldn't want you to think, okay, we're scarring her if she doesn't go, but mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't want it to be insignificant either. So you can talk it talk it through with her, see what she says. You know, as as I said, I think that's an important part that she agreed to this, that this is how it was going to be, as far as I understood. Right, she was. Agreeing mm-hmm, with that, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know that this yeah. was the agreement we made, and and now she wants to change it. it. Doesn't mean you can't change it, but you know that this was an agreement. So, I, I don't think it would be fair to be say that you did something wrong, or you know, as her parents, you did something wrong. Then taking something away from her. This was the agreement. Not everyone lives in a dorm, and you know, there's things we make certain sacrifices to make something work. If we want to go to a certain school, you might have to you know, take on certain things or deal with certain consequences related to that. So yeah. I would just, you know, explore with her. Now, the thing that's tough is if she is depressed, you know, I don't want to give her that yeah. full label, but in this state of at least being more depressed and whether it's a, uh, like a, you know, major depressive disorder or not, that's not clear, but nonetheless, then she's going to be even more sensitive to these things, they're going to affect her more mm-hmm. deeply. And so that m- might make you feel this sense of like, well, I want to make sure I don't make her feel worse or. You know, yeah. She's already feeling down and so it's tough that we can't now give her everything she wants just to make sure mm-hmm. she doesn't get more sad. In general, okay. I encourage parents just to have a mindset of empathy first and understanding first so you're trying to show her you care about how she feels, you can understand how she feels, doesn't mean you're going to say yes to whatever she wants or the request related to that feeling but that the feelings will still matter so it's part of a conversation mm-hmm. that you you have with her. Um, okay. Are you concerned about her? Like, well, tell me how concerned you are. I know you're worried she's not feeling well, but are you very worried about her? Is there anything very that you're you're very scared about with how she's doing right now?
0: Um. Honestly, I don't know. Um, maybe I am, but knowing that she's a smart kid. Like, she knows what's going on with herself, first of all, and she reached out for help. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she's trying so hard, and she's mature for her age, but at the same time, you know, if it's something serious, you never know. So that's yeah. that's what's scaring me. Sure. And seeing certain things, for example, uh, the fact that she now disagrees, that we agreed on, on the fact that she's going to stay here because she can't have unfortunately the best of both worlds and um, she has to choose sometimes and you know compromise mm-hmm. but she says that oh we never agreed this is something you guys decided but we try not to argue about that because of her situation right now mm-hmm. but at the same time what she told me today which was also another concerning sign was the fact that I don't even know what I want to study in college when she was certain and she even got accepted into um, this program and now she's saying she doesn't know what she wants to do and what she said which blew my mind off was that I may be thinking that I want to do nursing which I try to understand where it's coming from but she didn't she just said I don't know I feel like I'm interested but she couldn't explain the reason behind it Okay. And um, what think, what did you
1: want to study before? Was it medicine? And now is that the No, change? she
0: no. wanted to do certain things with law. Okay. Or uh, political science.
1: I, I do want to apologize to anyone in the nursing field because you you talked about her majoring in nursing as some kind of tragedy. And so. Oh I no no no
0: no! I'm sorry. That's not what I meant.
1: Or was it just the change? Yes, I'm okay.
0: worried about it because <laughs> before what yeah. she was saying was that. I hate anything medical. Yeah. And I don't want to be in the medical field, period, because that's not my thing. Okay. But switching from a major, which is in social studies, all of a sudden to something that she said that she does not like at all was concerning to me. Not the fact that she wants to do nursing. It. It's Got a bad it. thing.
1: Got it. Okay. Yeah, I mean,. And of course, sudden changes make us think. Oh, like you know, this like Oh, I thought I, you know, I knew you, or something happening that's making you make this big change. I wouldn't be necessarily so concerned. And even going back to my question, it wasn't that I was particularly scared or worried. I was trying to get a sense of how you were feeling about her and and what what she's going through and what's going on. So there isn't necessarily a need to be concerned, overly concerned. She's you know mm-hmm. not feeling well and. Uh, we're trying to help her, but um, it doesn't necessarily mean something's not okay. So, yeah, I think the um, you know the, the change of majors. Sometimes we put a lot of emphasis on that. Even I think somebody's expecting 17, 16, 18 year olds to know exactly what they want to study and career. It's not a realistic expectation, and and many people do change their. Uh, their majors at least once if not more than that and of course change careers down the line so those things happen Uh, maybe Mm -hmm. was it the sudden shift or that she was so certain and so against medical field and now she switched that what did that make you concerned about
0: Um, the fact that she is losing interest um, in you know college or what the future has to hold for her or the stuff that she talked about in the past. So before was like, it's the last semester I don't want to be worried about the grades. Um, you know, I'm going to go into college. And then the discussion was, it's the summertime I want to be free. I don't want to think about anything. I don't want to have responsibility. Now it's about um, oh, it's the first year of college. You know, all those like little by little steps. I feel like mm-hmm. she's Um, you know it's not that she wants to but she's excusing her behavior and her choices
1: yeah and I mean uh, we don't know if that's like because of how she's feeling or you're just afraid she's losing her motivation Um, if anything oftentimes the sciences are considered more challenging as a as a major than the social sciences and I'm a social science major myself saying that so I, I don't know if that would be taking it easy. Of course, the prerequisites the first year won't, might not be that different, but I wouldn't see going into nursing or the medical field as her taking it easy. Mm-hmm. So, That's
0: what yeah. I was trying to discuss with her. That, um, because it sounded like she wants it a little bit more easy, but then it was not realistic what she was explaining, um, okay. that she's just interested um, and they do less work. And another thing that she said was that um, it's not a desk job so I feel like those were coming out from her where I've seen her before and she just had to choose her classes for the fall and by the end of this week and all of a sudden she's doing that I feel like um, she's trying to excuse the fact that she really didn't put time to look into classes and choose and she just wants to go undecided
1: well, and that's possible um, now her saying or even you feeling like she wants to take it easier. Yeah, there could be a concern of, OK, she losing that passion or that fire, or that work ethic, things that that are real. There could be mm-hmm. also this if she's feeling depressed, which can take away things like our, our motivation, focus, things like that, that is it that she's not feeling like she can handle it, which um, doesn't mean she can't. But even that itself would be important to look at. So Mm -hmm. there could be something there with how she's feeling and feeling, um, how much she can take on. So I get your concern that you don't want her to lose sight of the important things. And, to yeah, college could be fun and great in so many social ways, but there's obviously the, the academic part of it that we want to prioritize as well. I just am wondering if the depression, the things that she's feeling could be affecting how she's, you know, feeling about what she can take on.
0: Yeah, I believe it does. Yeah. Um, so from my point and my side of things and um her dad doesn't make sense for us to have you know certain rules in place even though i know she's adult and she has her own life but she lives with us now um to say that you know i don't know if you want to take the car you're responsible for the gas not Mm -hmm. because we can't afford it but because to make some certain requests to kind of like push her to look for a job, to get distracted, to get busy, things like that.
1: Well, I mean, I'm definitely not against having some types of, you know, rules or boundaries with things. Um, two things come to mind. One is always like, what's the intention of the rule? So there you're saying it's about just, you know, trying to, you even said distract and I want to know what you mean by that. But, um, you know, to get her to do something. I mean, I'm guessing school starts in about a month. So maybe you want her to work while she's going to school, which is not necessarily uh, bad, but maybe that could be a lot if she's already feeling a bit uh, overwhelmed or not sure she can handle it. But another thing with rules at almost any age, but especially her age is to make them with her or in collaboration with her. So not just to tell her okay starting tomorrow this is the rule or this is how it's going to be but Mm -hmm. make the rule with her so she'll be more likely to follow it and understand like yeah this is it makes sense or i think this sounds fair and you know more likely to to go follow through with it i think i get this sense that you feel uh, between two things one is you're worried that okay she's feeling more down and you know more sensitive and so in that way more fragile And so you Mm -hmm. want to be easier on her, but then also you're afraid she's like slipping and then going to like, you know, lose too much of the focus and the way she is. And then, you know, so there's that, how do you find that balance? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm really struggling. Yeah. Honestly, I've been thinking about therapy myself of how I should be dealing with this.
1: I mean, obviously you're talking to a therapist, so I'm always going to think it's a good idea, but I do think it's a good idea for you to, to, to go to your own therapy, just in general, I think it's good, but um, to help you in, in going through this uh, in general mm-hmm. of how to deal with, with her and what's happening here, because clearly it's bringing up a lot for you. Um, and the, you know, the solutions and they're not even these kind of clear cut solutions of just do this or do that. The real focus here is going to be on your relationship with her. And if she goes to therapy, I would definitely not want you to bring this up. It may be as if you go to your own therapy to bring her, but you could even have sessions with her where you and her mm-hmm. would get to explore what's going on between the two of you and to find better solutions together, but also just better ways of, of, you know, dealing with the relationship stuff that's going on. So. Um, Yeah, I get it that you don't want to over push her, but you also don't want to take it so easy. And yeah, we don't want to be reactive that, okay, she's upset. So if we make a boundary and then if she breaks it, but then she's crying, then we're just going to say it's okay every time or, you know, give in to that because that's not going to be good for her. And you'll get frustrated with that over time. Um, As I said, you know, we've mentioned a few times, it's really good that she has this awareness and she's asking for help. Most, Mm -hmm. you know, most teenagers, most People her age don't do that. Even most adults don't do that. So that's something to get out. Also, I hope you have, if you haven't already acknowledged that and shared her. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you came to us. I'm glad you want to get help and we want to help you. Um, and you could even share some of your concerns with her of these, even like the change of the major. So not like this, it's a tragedy or it's so bad or she's doing something wrong. But I'm sure you were surprised that I'm not sure if it was something that she was always clear on and now she's changing. Uh, If that's the case, yeah, it's understandable that it would be a surprise and you wanted to understand it better Um, and, and, you know, there's no way for me to know how she's exactly doing, but just keeping in mind that going through these types of things is not uncommon, doesn't mean we don't take Mm -hmm. it seriously, but I say that so you don't get overly concerned about, you know, if she's changing a bit, even the way you started the call saying something like, she's always been a good girl or something like that. It's like feeling like this, like you're losing her, she's changing. Um, Mm -hmm. in some way this could be just this, a process or something she's going through at this time.
0: I see. So what are, um, maybe like in a short couple bullet points, what are the signs or symptoms or I don't know, um, I guess signs that I should be looking out for, or if I see then I should be concerned?
1: Well, yes, and for what you shared, and I can only go off of what you shared so far. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't feel like super concerned and like some, you know, be careful that something bad is going to happen. I would want you to. I'm glad she's starting therapy next week, and you know, th- starting therapy, it's we're doing something to help her. But um, at any age, but especially at her age, lots of feelings could come up and come out when they go to therapy. So you don't know, they. It's not that she's going to go to therapy and come home necessarily feeling more calm and relaxed and better. She Mm -hmm. might even feel more angry or be more in touch with some of those feelings. So be, you know, aware and ready that that could happen um, Mm -hmm. when she she goes. Um, You know, like I'm glad that uh, as much as I said, someone could be very depressed and still go out and have fun and do all those things. But that is at least something that she's able to do those things and is Mm -hmm. is functioning at that level. Um, You know, the irritability and the anger the fact that she's saying sometimes it's coming from or out of nowhere, she's not quite sure why, you know, these are the openings that you can have of talking to her about like, yeah, what, what is she going through? How does she feel? Um, you know, the thing with her, with her friend, the thing I would be, you know, a bit concerned about is that that could affect her openness with things, you know, that if, you know, because of that, and I get it, you freaked out, you were worried, you felt like this friend was not being respectful, but you know, now, if she wants to tell you about something, let's say she does something or she has done something, how comfortable yeah. would she feel to tell you that if that was, you know, so that's something to be aware of even if you have conversations with her about just, you know, I want you to be able to tell me and I can see how how I was with your friend might not have made you feel as comfortable because um, you know, maybe she's tried something or does something or whatever it is that you might not even like, but we want to give her the space to tell you rather than if she had done it or does it it's something that she does on her own and has to deal with on her own with whatever consequences, mm-hmm. if any, come up with that. Um, so it's hard for me to say these are the things to be, you know, cause we always look at things like the, like if someone seems hopeless, if someone's not taking care of themselves, if they're, you know, teenagers on summer break sleep a lot anyway, usually. So, but you know, yeah. sleeping is something we might pay attention to, but yeah, you know, kids sleep until noon and summer break. It doesn't mean they're necessarily depressed. I've seen it happen all the time. I remember doing it myself. So, um, it's hard to say this is the the sign. The most important thing for me is that if she's going to therapy good and focusing on how open you can keep your relationship with her so mm-hmm. that you can, can, you know, understand. Because the, the truth of it is there isn't this like if she does this, it's a bad thing. But the more open we are, the more likely she is to share with you, you know, how bad things are, what's going on so you can understand it better. And so for you to be ready that. Um, If she does share how she's feeling to not react too strong to that, because if she says, I'm really down or sometimes I want to get, you know, I'm just giving you examples like feeling this way or that way about myself, oftentimes as just people that care, but as parents, especially we come in and try to take that feeling away and mm-hmm. that makes it harder for them to share more about what they're feeling so you know people when they say oh I think I'm ugly or I think you know of course we don't think they are but if we quickly so oh, no you're not the we like try to take away their feeling then they they'll stop like they, they, they won't go further into it so if she's feeling really down or feeling hopeless or feeling whatever it is giving her that space hope is as one when you talk about things we talk about if, if someone's feeling hopeless we can be a bit more concerned I don't get that sense from what you're describing but you know we want to you know be open to letting her share however it is that she's feeling Um, Mm -hmm. but those are just some thoughts they're not really clear signs yeah I can tell you yeah
0: Yeah. no I truly appreciate it there were great um, stuff that I'm going to be really paying attention to and maybe one last thing Mm -hmm. her dad and I are planning on an overseas vacation for about nine days okay and this is going to be the first time that she's going to be alone by herself. And thinking that what she's going through right now, would it make sense for us to leave her?
1: When are you going? This summer. What, well, I mean, like how long in a week, in a few weeks? Or Oh,
0: it's going to be, oh, in um, six weeks?
1: Six weeks. Okay, so there'll be, you know, some time to, to see what's going on till then. So I wouldn't say definitely don't go. Um, who would she be staying with?
0: She's going to be by herself. by herself.
1: Okay. So I would get a sense of how she, you know, I wouldn't say definitely don't go. Um, because I, as I said, from what you shared, I wasn't overly concerned that you de- you can't leave her alone or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. But, um, you know, she's going to therapy. I would also, you, could, you know, she's over 18, so you won't be able to talk to her therapist unless she wants you to talk to her therapist more yeah. than likely. So you can check in on that. So I wouldn't say definitely don't go. I think you're going to have to wait as it gets a little bit closer to see how she seems to be doing and you know how she feels about it um Mm -hmm. but you know before you can really make that decision i I would encourage you to think about you know your own therapy i could see that even in our conversation it gave you some reassurance or some you know good feeling about things i think it would be you know beneficial and something to think about
0: yeah yeah i appreciate it sure nice talking to you thank you
1: so much best of luck take care
0: I right, Thank you too.
1: All right. Bye bye. Let's go to a commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller, Radio Hamra. You're on the air.
2: Um, hi. Um, I have a question about um, screen time, and uh, I know that there is not, you know, a general answer for that. But mm-hmm. right now, many schools also demand um, devices. Uh, for elementary age students, even first grade, second grade, so uh, it's it's a uh, it's a battle uh, in in many houses mm-hmm, on how mm-hmm. to how we can uh, limit the screen time or make it more productive.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, and it's not just for the kids; it's also for the parents and all adults. Like, how do we deal with the you know screen time? But as parents, really thinking about. Um, how do we help our kids in dealing with this challenge, which is challenging even for adults, because what's difficult with, you know, screen, screen times, and it's not obviously the screens themselves, but what's going on on the screens is that they can become, there's some controversy of whether or not we call it addiction or not, but definitely to me, it's Mm -hmm. addictive types of, you know, uh, behaviors and experiences that can be concerning. And like, lots of things that we get addicted to, it's that when we start or if we have an at a younger age or once it starts, it's hard to stop. So um, there definitely is an overall mindset I have of less is more when it comes to, that's a pretty easy thing to say, screen time, but also things like social media. So not all screen time is created equal, even you said productive. Um, Yeah, there's definitely a difference between, you know, mindlessly just watching videos on TikTok or face timing with your grandma you know those are not the same thing even though they're both mm-hmm. being done on the screen so um, I, I want to actually ask you though you know have some general thoughts as I've, I'm saying there but specifically what is the situation you're calling about or what are you dealing with
2: um, so, um, my, my sons are, are not, uh, you know, are not adults yet. Uh, they are uh, six and nine. Okay. Um, and, um, they, uh, they use uh, some device at the school, which is, uh, mainly for academic purposes, but when they come home, they want to watch, uh, you know, videos or mm-hmm, shows. Mm-hmm. They want to play on Xbox. Um, and, um, so we, we try to really, uh, um, you know, restrict um, what they watch. For example, we are using YouTube Kids, and we make sure that you know it's age appropriate, and the shows that they watch is within you know is are not violent or stuff like that. Or on Xbox, we don't uh, we don't buy uh, games that are violent, um, and mainly he he plays FIFA or you know sports games on on Xbox. But it seems that. Um, it is very hard for him when when we give it give him the responsibility to, you know, to finish uh, the game and then you know turn it off. It is very hard for him to do yeah. so. So and on the other side, if we put uh, limits on it and you know it, it it just turn it off at the middle of the game, it pisses him off <laughs> a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we, we we and it is some sometimes it is hard. To know what to do if we sure. want to give him more time then we will give him this message that okay you know it's okay not to to abide by the rule and yep. you know go over it if you don't give him time he says you know he is really upset he says it was five minutes left I was about to win and I wanted to finish this and I feel bad for him mm. because I really wanted him to finish before the screen the, the screen, um, uh, the screen uh, goes off yeah. So there is this battle at our house, sure. at
1: least. Yeah, I mean, this uh, y- as you can, as you said in a way yourself, this battle is happening in almost all homes. I uh, in probably in the world too, but in America, where parents are trying to, you know, deal with this of okay, we want to let them have some screen time, video games, whatever it is, but limited as well, and it, it's challenging. And you kept saying him, so I don't know if you meant one of your kids is more of an issue or having more of a challenge. Yeah.
2: The- the older one sure. is is the one who, who has more um, yeah. more difficulty, you know, getting off the screen. Uh, the younger one still, you know, he he can uh, he can uh, do that. At least now <laughs> he's uh-huh. okay with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it could be you know things—the age and the type of games they're playing—might be more intense and engaging. But you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: regardless, it, it's a challenging one. And so, as I was saying uh, before, half jokingly, but of course, half very seriously, is that. It's tough for all of us with screens, you know, if I want to be honest with you, probably in the past few days I was maybe on social media more than I'd like and really not doing anything productive for some of that time, and I wish I, I didn't do it. So we okay. understand that what we're dealing with is something that, you know, sometimes as parents are like, oh, just stop. It's not good for you. Stop. And it seems very easy. But then we think, wait, even I'm having a hard time with this. So to put this expectation that it should be so easy on our kids, um, you know, that wouldn't be fair. It doesn't make sense. So we know it's a tough thing. And then they make these games fun and interesting and exciting. Obviously, oh. they want them to keep playing. So they are entertaining and fun. And so we can understand that. So I generally think it's good to come from that mindset of, you know, doesn't mean we don't want to limit it because, you know, that's the other side of it. But we can get it. It's fun. You have a good time. And even like, you know, the middle of the game, It's this is this comes up so often. I've worked with so many families that this is... You know comes up a lot and of course sometimes kids use this to their advantage that they start the game when there's one minute left knowing that they'll be in the middle of it and saying well i'm in the middle of the game but this you know this rule of well do we stop the game in the middle or not and so we can imagine if you were let's say watching a tv show you really liked and someone said okay (laughs) right now i'm turning it off we would get pretty upset too so it's a tough one there you know these are pretty challenging things that don't have super clean answers um, okay. But it is important to, like you said, we also don't want to then say, well, if he gets upset enough, we're going to let him play five more minutes because then, yeah, the rule is no longer a rule. And he learns that that's what he has to do to get his way. So it's it's a tough one. Um, I, you know, I was talking with a previous caller. their Their child was 18. But I would say even with your nine and six year old, I would encourage that the rules are made with the kids, you know, so you even talk to them about it and sometimes people misunderstand this it doesn't mean that the kids make the rules so that they say i want to play 10 hours of video games you say okay but it's that it's a conversation that you know even if they say you know so you tell them um even try to explain you know can you you know why do we even have this rule you know i don't know. have you had these conversations with your kids about screen yes. time video okay
2: yeah we yeah we we, uh, we talk a lot and um uh you know what we have tested uh, these recent days that uh, you know has worked better than before is that uh, because he was very very upset with uh, with the fact that you know in the middle of the game it was the limit and you know it was stop on mm-hmm. on his game and he said that I I can manage it let me let me do it and I said okay I- I'll give you three hours a straight three hours and then you have uh, you have. Um, the option of how to uh, use these three hours. You can do it at one, you can at once, or you can do it like one hour in the morning, one hour in the afternoon, one hour later at night. And uh, it, it, it it seemed that he, he worked really well with that. And, you know, once the three hours was was finished, you know, he went and, and played Lego and started to read. And I was, <laughs> I was kind of proud that, you know, at least one way it worked. Mm-hmm. um but 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 sometimes you know uh different situations like you know these days it, it is summer um sometimes he's out of camp he he doesn't have anything to do and um whatever i suggest he says it's boring whatever i say okay i i believe in you i know you can find something that is not boring and you can you know um um time with it Mm -hmm. he just you know um, nags around me and you know I work from home and I I need to concentrate (laughs) and sometimes it it makes me very frustrated Um, and he you know um,
1: he might use that you know knowing that to kind of push until you probably give in. It's understandable you have to get back to work and he knows if he creates yes. enough of a fuss you might say okay just go play your video game. Now um, I'm looking at the time we started this segment a bit late so we're going to have to go to a commercial break but then we'll go into the last segment and we can explore this more and, and look we're going to try to see what we can come up with. There's no clean answers that will make it um, you, you know it's always going to be a, an ongoing issue but there could be things that can make it more helpful so uh, okay. we'll put you on hold and we'll talk a bit after the break okay? Okay. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we we're with the caller. Let's go back to them now. Caller, are you still there?
2: Yes. Okay. Oh,
1: yes. All right. So, yeah, we're discussing your um, the challenge, as many families have, screen time with your nine-year-old and six-year-old son, especially you said with the nine-year-old, some challenges where he might be in the middle of a game when it's the end of the time he's supposed to play, and that's led to some challenges, but you said lately... You've tried to uh, give him more of the, the responsibility or authority of how he deals with it. And it seems like you're saying overall it's been going better, but still there's some challenges, especially when you're working from home.
2: Mm-hmm. And one more thing is that, um, you know, um, we were, uh, uh, me and my husband, were thinking of getting um, like a sort of smart watch, For him that, um, you know, doesn't have any social media apps or any video game apps, anything on it. But uh, through that watch, he can call and text and it has GPS. So very basic watch um, just to be just for us to be in contact with with each Mm -hmm. other when, um, you know, we are away. Um, But uh, we we had this this conflict, my husband and I, that, you know, he says it will introduce him to even wanting more. um, For example, wanting a phone a few hours, uh, a few years from now or wanting, you know, a more advanced watch maybe next year or something. So we shouldn't introduce that early, um, you know, such a thing to him. And I say, you know, there are advantages to to it too because he has a little bit of anxiety and I think that um, the ability to to contact us when you know when he's at a camp and that the place is unknown um, would would help him you know with, with the worries that he has so I just also wanted to, yeah. to uh, get your opinion on that
1: too. so yeah I mean and, and you know something just because you just said something about social media I I, um, uh, I, I really encourage delaying the mm-hmm. social media for, for kids, even, you know, middle school, high school, and even I'm okay. I'm, I'm generally someone who likes to give, you know, kids their space, but once they're exposed to the internet and social media, even if you put protections with their knowledge and with letting them know, I think it's it's very okay and actually important for parents to just monitor their their kids' social media usage because they are being exposed to a whole world out there. But delaying it to high school even, I think, is, is good. Um, mm-hmm. uh, of course, they're going to tell you, oh, everyone's on it and I need to be on there. I'm going to be yeah. left out and left behind. That uh, You know, they're they're very good at those arguments. And there's some truth to that. A lot of their peers might be on them. But um, when you look at what it does to mental health, even for adults, but especially for teenagers, even they're seeing for uh, female, uh, teenage females even more. but it's not good for any of them so delaying that i think totally makes sense the the watch i'm not you know it doesn't necessarily mean he's gonna it's like some slippery slope and or gateway gadget where he's gonna get this one and then feel like well now i need something more than this you know um Mm -hmm. and so if, if it's just has those basic functions i i'm not against it now yeah he might now that he has this pick, like, oh, there's actually a way that I can pair this with the watch, and it, you know it's really cool, and it makes it even easier for me to talk to. I don't know. He might have something, and if you don't think it's re- time, you have to to have that firm line about that. Um, you know, I did want to go back to something you said earlier, where he said, you know, he says everything is boring, and so uh-huh. two thoughts about that. One is this is actually a shame that we see, in especially this generation, that they don't get bored anymore or they they don't have boredom because boredom is not a bad thing. You know, obviously it's Mm -hmm. not such a pleasant thing, but boredom allows for us to, you know, be more creative, to explore things. And really what we sometimes mean by bored is I'm not being fully occupied by something. You know, something's not capturing my attention. Like, yeah, being on social media or video game or or some TV show that's distracting me. And so we think there's a sense we have to constantly be occupied but it's actually not a a healthy way to be for kids but also as even adults just it's good to sometimes have some time where it feels like quote-unquote nothing is happening but it allows for us to just think explore be creative unwind do things that are actually good for us so that's one thing that actually you know parents might feel like i should never let my kids be bored or they can make you feel that way with how they will say they're bored or oh, i need to you know something to entertain me but we, we shouldn't have to feel that pressure. As you said, it seemed like you were trying to tell him he could find something. Um, another thing they're saying when, okay, this is boring, that's boring. It's not necessarily that they're even boring. It's just that they're mm-hmm. not as exciting as that other thing, right? So uh, exactly. yeah, reading a book, yeah, maybe even it could be interesting sometimes, but it's nothing compared to, um, you know, playing a video game, which is gonna be so much more stimulating. It's kind of like, it, you know, thankfully, if you introduce your kids to fruits and only those kinds of foods and vegetables from a young age is old crave those foods but once you give your kid you know McDonald's and different fast food you know the the regular food might seem boring to them because it's not you know overly stimulating him in that way that those foods do so unfortunately once we introduce them and introduce them regularly they might not crave or want those healthier foods because these other foods are so exciting it's kind of the same thing like some a screen with all this stuff going on it's Mm -hmm. going to be so much more exciting than just sitting down and try to play a board game or you know like coming up with something on their own so we have to be aware of those things he might be right it's it's more boring or they're not as fun as the video game but it doesn't mean that we're just going to let them play you know 10 hours of video games because it's you know, not boring or more fun. Not that that's what's happening here, but just the thought on that, because I do hear that a lot where pa- kids will say, I'm bored or this is boring. And then, you know, they are in a way saying the parent has to give them something to entertain them. But I don't think that necessarily needs to be the case. But let's come back to to your situation um, with your, your son, especially you're saying with the older son having okay. these challenges um, with him. Now, one thing that's also very important is are you and... You know their father on the same page about things are you feeling like you're in agreement with how to what you're doing with him
2: Um, so I think I am more flexible than his father Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, especially when when there is a limit and and I see that you know really there is like five minutes left I said there is no harm just giving him five more minutes until he finishes and then he he turned it off himself but uh, sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't, and because you know he hasn't shown a, a consistent, you know, responsibility, his father believes that you now when it is done, then there, this is the rule, and you know we have to stop it. Mm-hmm. So, and I sometimes said, okay, this is summer, you know, we have to have, you know summer spirit you know let let them be more relaxed let them you know have less rules at least to unwind and you know um, you know be more laid-back get ready for for another school year but he thinks that it may ruin the you know the whole routine and the rules that we have set at home so we we sometimes also have the conflict of course it is not in front of the kids you know we, we try to always be on the same page in front of them um, but um, you know, on the back scene, we sometimes have arguments on which way is the correct way okay. to, to approach.
1: Yeah, and I'm, and you mentioned that that is very important not to have those uh, arguments in front of the kids. One, mm-hmm. they it, they do It's not going to be good for them to see that. But also, they can feel like they're the cause of the argument. And then uh, on top of that. It makes the the rules or the boundaries seem less real because it's well, I, you know, mom didn't even agree with this or dad didn't agree with this, so uh-huh. you know you're really going to be in trouble there with trying to enforce anything that they see is is shaky in that way. And so that's uh-huh. the big, you know, sometimes with parents I work with them and like trying to find a bedtime or working with the kids, and it's not that you know 7:30 is the right one and 7:15 is the wrong one, or it's more that what works for the household and how the household gets into agreement and that type of unity um, you know, creates a calm in and of itself. So it's going to be important for, you know, you and your husband to think and work through this and it's not likely you're going to see exactly eye to eye and, you know, see it exactly the same, but you have to come to some level of agreement that's going to be functional for, you know, the family and for you and him, uh, then, you know, creating these boundaries. Yeah. Generally, you know, there's something to both of what you're saying. Uh, you're saying, well, it's summer. So yeah, they don't have school in the same, um, you know, busyness with other things so they can play a little bit more and have that summer mindset. And he's concerned uh-huh. that, well, if we give too much of that, then when it comes time to switch back to school mode, it's going to be challenging if they lose, you know, those those boundaries. Uh-huh. And there's something uh-huh. to both. It doesn't mean now everything goes and they can play as long as they want, but maybe it doesn't have to be as strict as when it is during the school year. I can understand that. You know, I'm looking uh-huh. at the time we just have about two, three minutes left. If there's anything more specific that you want to make sure we address before we have to wrap up, please you know, let me know.
2: Um, I just had um, a, a quick question um, which is not related to, to our conversation so far. Um, I, I mentioned that he has uh, some anxiety and uh, we have been you know, seeing a, a therapist and all that and I just uh, came across uh, a method that is called SPACE. Uh, that is, uh, um, and I wanted to to ask you if you have heard of it and uh, I'm not sure if
1: it. I have. It's it's like space, like S P A C E.
2: Yes, exactly. Okay. And um, that is uh, the that is abbreviated for uh, supportive uh, a supportive parenting for anxious childhood emotion.
1: Mm. Okay.
2: And uh, the, um, the the. The person who did that uh, is uh, Dr. Eli Lebowitz Uh
0: Um,
2: and um, he has this scientific method that has proven scientifically that uh, the intervention should be on parents rather than being on kids and um, that intervention would be uh, as helpful or or even more helpful as if we intervene with kids with anxiety.
1: Well, I I appreciate you sharing this with me because I, you know, to be honest, I, um, did not know it, and, and speaking of screen time, I'm looking at my screen right now. I have my phone out because I googled what you did, and I found yeah, Dr. Eli uh, Lebowitz, and I want to look into this more. And mm-hmm. as a as a overall, that does make a lot of sense to me because, uh, you know, the parents are creating the environment and how they interact with the child is going to contribute significantly to their anxiety. Now, I'm at times I think it's going to also be important to interact or have treatments where the kid is is being. Impacted even like play therapy for children can be very helpful, mm-hmm. um, but I'll, I'll check this out But as is obvious, I can't give you a um, Assessment of whether or not this treatment is a good one or not because I don't know about it till you just mentioned it Based, being that it's from a, you know a doctor from the Yale Child Study Center. That's a good start But again, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be able to endorse it to say to go for it But I'm glad you know it seems like you're looking for different ways to support your child um, through his anxiety
2: Thank you. Uh, is it possible that uh, perhaps one of your uh, your sessions that you talk about books, you talk about this book maybe? <laughs>
1: it's possible. You know, I, I just put a little note for myself to okay. look into it because it does seem interesting and I'm always, yep. you know, eager to learn more about new treatments or new types of treatments that are coming out. So I'll I'll check it out, and it's possible I will. I can't guarantee you that, but uh, I'll definitely be looking into it, whether or not I'll read a book on it or discuss it at length on the show. I I can't guarantee that. But we do have to wrap up, and I appreciate you calling. uh, It it will be an ongoing thing, and um, wish you and the family all the best.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. All right, that brings us to the end of today's show. A big thank you to Farhuda here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Farid Waqi. Zan Zendegi Azadi.